This is Radio Havana, Cuba. This is Radio Pinyang of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. This is Moscow. It's crazy talk once again. I'm Doc Normal. There I am. And there's the bass. Uh, it's a little, uh. It's getting a little, uh. kind of hairy here. Uh, I don't mean hairy by not shaved. I'm, I'm saying I'm kind of like. A little frazzled, you know, doing, I'm doing this crazy talk last minute, like a true podcast. Uh, let me plug myself in here so I don't get the slap back delay. Hey, there I am. Oh, I am back. I hope everything's going okay on the stream. Oh, Cami Chaos says finally. So here's the deal. Here's what's going on. Uh, just to let you know. So I took Cami Chaos to the doctor today. She's got like bronchitis or something ah, she's got you know so she's got like the drugs the codeine the you name it and uh so she's all hopped up on drugs so if at some point during the show if some crazy lady in her jammies uh stumbles downstairs and starts talking nonsense um you'll 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 know why that that would be cami chaos so but that's not what this show is about this is crazy talk what do we do here? It's a podcast. I do it for Napod Pomo, which means that I try to, uh, well, I try. I'm supposed to do a podcast a day. So we've got Strange Love Live, and we've got two episodes of Strange Love Live. Friday, Saturday, Strange Love Live. Uh, Friday night, Tech Edition. Saturday night is the, uh, the After Hours Edition. Uh, Sunday through Wednesday is Crazy Talk to fill all that time. Thursday, Meme PDX with Rick Terosi. I'm sorry. Let me do that again. Meme PDX with Rick Jarosi, um and Cami Chaos. Um, and and then then we do it Saturday, Friday, Strange Love Live. That's what we do. Okay. So in the meantime, we do Crazy Talk. Now, what happened last night? So I'm going to say something last night, and I don't have the URL. Somebody maybe in the chat room or someone can give me the URL. Here's what happened. Okay. Last night... Last night, we were not going to do a crazy talk. We record Meme PDX on Tuesday nights, and then I do a crazy talk or something. We weren't going to do that. Cami Chaos had a special, special interview about a cool project. That interview was going to be with Joe Donlin of KGW, the anchor on KGW, about his Joe's Night Out, which is a, a charity. He's doing it Friday night. We wanted to get it in and talk about it Friday night. Go check out Joe's Night Out. It was going to be totally cool, okay? So we wake up in the morning. First thing, I listen to PDX Sucks and find out we're on msnbc.com. Awesome, great, that was wonderful. Food carts, Strange of Live. It was totally cool. So we do that, okay? About midday, a grade school burns down in southeast Portland. That's big news in Portland, right? 
So a lot of news, a lot of news. St- uh, Stephanie Strickland, a uh, good friend of the show, is is on live. Uh, she's back from maternity leave, kicking ass. Um, so she's on live. As if that's not enough, some stuff happens in Tualatin with people getting shot and killed, and it turns into a 24-7 news day. So needless to say, I was kind of, like I kind of monitor Twitter, you know, during the day. I don't tweet a lot because I'm working, but I monitor Twitter. And Cammy wasn't feeling very good, so she was kind of coming down with this. But when she woke up, I called her in the afternoon. I said, hey, you know, Cammy, I got to tell you something. I don't think Joe's going to make it tonight. And sure enough, he, he was gracious enough. He sent an email. He said, you know what? I'm stuck in the newsroom because it was a big news day in Portland. So the thing I want to say is big shout out to Joe Donlin. He's going to come on sometime and we're going to talk about stuff. He's doing Joe's night out uh, for charity Friday night. Go check that out. Google it. Go up to KGW.com or whatever. Okay. Got that out of the way. Uh, So now our special guest tonight, last minute, but it's news. He's making news this week. Um, I'm going to bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Bobby Fatboy Roberts. Are you there? I am indeed here. Hello, sir. You sound great. Well, thank you for having me on. Now, how are you doing, Court? <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> doing, just, doing just fine, Cammie. I'm, I'm doing just great. It's, great. it's a very relaxing day here. Yeah. Oh, uh, we got a lot of mileage out of that, didn't we? <laughs> there's still there's still uh, plenty of rubber left on that tire, I'm yeah. pretty certain. Oh, sure. Well, you write for Crack Magazine, so I'm sure you drive the comedy into the ground at some point you know it's just like <laughs> how far can we drive this car until it throws a throws a rod and we have to just jump out and walk home the right? cracked isn't the evidence of that if you just listen to our show for longer than five minutes you're going to hear the same joke exactly. recycled five times it usually has the word balls in it at some point well you, you just can't get enough balls no <laughs> and uh and speaking of balls and i'll bring it around in a second here i i yeah. i you know i was going to wear a pirate hat tonight uh-huh. And uh when you confirmed that you'd be on and 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 it was so cool that you got all set up here. And uh and the cool thing is you were going to come in in studio and that would have been cool. I'm like, you know, Cammy's hopped up on the codeine right now. That might not be <laughs> such a good idea. So um so we got got you all set up on Skype. But I but I wore my I wore my uh fat boy Roberts hat. Yeah, the the little cabbie cap is on top yeah. of your head right there? Yeah, I, nice. you know, I didn't have time to pull the sweater out or whatever oh, thank, it is. Thank you. That's all right. I've got enough sweater for both of us. I'm wearing a periwinkle cardigan right now, so I'm all oh, sorts of manly on nice. this side of the uh, the microphone. Nice, nice, nice. Well, we'll, yeah. get, we'll definitely get you in. Uh, now, um, when did you start dressing like a mannequin at Nordstrom's? <laughs> um, it was the uh, second time I, I lost a copious amount of weight the first time i lost a copious amount of weight i was still uh, a a a relative youngin and uh, i spent a lot of my time playing basketball so if i wasn't wearing you know a, a t-shirt i was wearing a basketball jersey and shorts so i didn't really know how to dress and then i got um really really fat and complacent in a relationship that i was in for about four years and during those four years um i completely forgot how to dress i wore um you know, like Star Wars T-shirts and a triple XL hoodie to hide the fact that my folds were spilling um, all over my body. Um, so I'd wear everything way too big. It looked like I was wearing the tent section at GI Joe's, and uh, then um, 
the the girl left me and I immediately shrunk back down to normal size and I looked at myself in a mirror and I was like, wow, I need to uh, try and dress again. And of all people uh, to inspire me to try a new sartorial style, I had a copy of uh, Chuck Klosterman 4 on uh on my on my living room table because i had been reading it and I noticed that he was wearing a sweater with like a, a nice little checkered shirt underneath and he had the sleeves rolled up and some plain old jeans and i was like I, that, that seems to work for him and he's a pretty big nerd so I, I i bet i could pull this off and i drove down to a goodwill about five minutes away and just raided it for a bunch of uh sweaters and button-up t-shirts and uh and thusly um the current style that i that i'm so known for that robert wagner can make a twitter game out of it that's how that was born uh, that was great he he yeah tweet picked a picture one day of a mannequin with that with the hat and everything and it was i i you know i was like okay i'm going to check this out i laughed my head. It's like, oh that's cute that's funny i know about about six people were like that's fat boy and i was like oh geez it's that it's that obvious which is cool because nobody really knows what my face looks like and th- about two-thirds of the city uh, seems to think that I am going to be a very rotund, roly-poly person. So it's good to know that um, if I need to be extra anonymous, because I'm, I'm pretty anonymous as it is, even though you know there's been some press notice lately, people, I'm still fairly anonymous. If I want to be extra anonymous, all i got to do is wear a basketball jersey, some shorts, and take my cap off, and no one will have any clue who the hell I am. I'm completely invisible at that point. So, so. Two things here. First of all, uh, when you changed your style, mm-hmm. I, I wonder if we could just go back in time with the time ring and, and yeah. put Cami Chaos's favorite graphic novel down on that, that coffee table, The the Preacher, right? Because, <laughs> you know, because that would have been hot, right? Because I've seen, she actually has somewhere floating around, she's got the little action figure of, was it Jesse or something? I, I've never read these yeah. things, but I've seen the covers and stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, that guy's bad, yeah. He's got the collar <laughs> and the leather jacket and stuff, you know. Jesse Custer, I, I think. Yeah, I can't the- I can't pull that off. I'm nowhere near um cool enough. I'm just cool enough to pull off Chuck Klosterman's look. That tells you about the upper levels of my cutting edge cool right there. So I would have never been able to pull off uh leather and and guns and cigarettes. I would have been able to pull that off. maybe like yeah. a, a Slurpee and something in a pastel color. That's about as badass as I can get. Yeah, yeah. Now so so the weird thing is uh, so you actually really were fat. Yes, I was. Uh, I, it wasn't like it was a, I know in radio, I, thought, there's I, a... I mean, I saw you and it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, it's like fat boy and slim, you know, it's like yeah. slim is, is, uh, is, uh, um, Jackie Gleason, right. You know, playing mm-hmm. pool, right. Hey, yeah. you know, um, you know, Hey slim, Hey, 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 you know, <laughs> but you it, actually, it, Really it fat. has to be like that because it's sort of uh, ironic now that when I got the nickname, I was truly a fat boy. I was How much did you weigh? a fat kid. I weighed uh, 255 pounds. Holy and as crap. You know, and yeah, I'm 5'6". And you're 5'6". Yeah, Holy crap. Yeah, so I was a really big kid. So, I mean, it, it was you a pretty obvious Umpa nickname Lumpa, for Bullwood. man, from the mm-hmm. original. No, yeah, I was Samwise Gamgee from The Hobbit. Yeah, from Lord of the Rings, I mean. Wow. And yeah. when, did, when so, did you lose this? Um, the first time I lost it, I, uh, I was working in a warehouse. My brother-in-law got me a job at a warehouse and I was doing a swing shift there. So, I mean, just How hauling around like 50 pound boxes all day. I think I was like 22, maybe something yeah. like that. Yeah. And it all fell away, uh, in the space of about two months. I seriously dropped like about 50, 60 pounds in about two months, which is not healthy and I want to at be all. Clear. As a matter of fact, I say this with sensitivity because mm-hmm. I've had my issues with weight over the years myself, quite frankly, yeah. seriously, I, I, uh, um, 
same thing. I was in a relationship, and and it it started catching up with me in my thirties because mm-hmm. I'm really old, dude. <laughs> Trust me, <laughs> you have no idea. It's like you this, hide it this well, skin sir. is you hide it sand, well. man. It's just like <laughs> um, it's the curse, um, the curse of strange love. But we'll get into that later. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I got in my and by the time I hit my mid thirties. I was pushing like the 230, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm 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 not tr- I'm really average. I'm a really average guy. Yeah. Um so I'm like 510 pushing 511, you know, average height, you know. And so I was just like, you know, I had like the three chins and everything. And I took a self portrait of myself and I look like um I look like Baron Harkonnen from Dune. <laughs> Oh, that's messed up. You know? <laughs> oh, that's awful. Don't describe yourself. Fade, I mean, fate. <laughs> that's awful. I will kill him. Spice um, must flow. Oh, heart plugs and shit, you know. Um, <laughs> and that's the, the, the really the true version of Dune, the David Lynch version of Dune. Yeah, they they made that miniseries on sci-fi, and it I guess it was a bad. lot more faithful, but it was but it, it was a lot more boring. Yeah, exactly. It was totally faithful to the book because uh, uh-huh. I was a big Dune fan when I was a kid, like in junior high, and reading tons of geeky sci-fi. And yeah. um, it was more faithful to the book, which the Dune, the De Laurentiis is totally screwed screwed up because Lynch made like a turned in like a four-hour movie or whatever, but it was mm-hmm. still freaking David Lynch. I yeah. mean. You know. No, it looked right. The Lynch movie oh, yeah. looked right, but it didn't feel at all correct. The uh, the uh, the Sci-Fi Channel one sort of had all the details in place, but it was hollow. It was sort of like the adaptation of Watchmen that we just got, where it's almost panel for panel perfect, and they tried to translate as much of the graphic novel to the screen as possible, yeah. but then they left out all the pieces in between that make a movie feel like a living, breathing entity, like, like a, a real work of art. So you just got sort of like this soulless pretty um structure that with the slightest flick just crumbles and falls apart yeah see so so just just so you know because i'm old my geek Mm -hmm. geek cred stops at about 1978 when i discovered rock and roll and girls (laughs) what's funny is that um rock and roll is almost a total geeky thing now at this point Like, rock has become, like, the province of, of the geek. That was something that, um, when I worked at the radio station, I was, you know, trying to, to let people know. The idea of a, a rock and roll listener who, you know, goes outside with his ass glued to a Camaro and has the feathered mullet flying oh, yeah. with wearing, like, a, a belly shirt or something, that guy stopped existing in, like, 1985. The guys who are buying metal albums, the guys who are, you know, putting money in Disturbed's pockets, they're going home, and they're playing Xbox 360, and they have Magic the Gathering cards in their in the back of their used Corolla or something. The guys that are wearing Iron Maiden t-shirts, unironically, are some of the biggest nerds you are ever going to see, because cool kids long ago moved away from rock and roll and they moved on to hip hop and and that's what the cool kids are doing they're out clubbing they're they're popping ketamine and and waving glow sticks at each other the 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 kids who picked up rock and roll picked it up because all the other cool kids left it behind and they sort of claimed it for their own that's why you've got bands like metalocalypse it's a cartoon band they're coming to town they're touring as a cartoon they're they're almost going platinum and they're total nerd bait. Is is that like a spinal tap thing? Do they actually 
actually have real guys behind it? How do they do that? I I, I don't. I'm not enough. quite sure how they do it because I really don't like the music and the the cartoons yeah. hit and miss for me. So I don't really watch it all. It's that kind much. of funny though if you were in a band. And, and yeah, and that was the thing in the in the 80s when I got out of high school. I was very nerdy and and um, and you know I I ended up and I was a musician and I ended up playing drums in like a glam metal band at the time and um and magically i started getting laid and i had the hair <laughs> and everything and uh just go go google tokyo portland on youtube and you'll you'll, you'll see some of that and you okay. know i had the vertical hair and all that stuff and it was all good you know and people are like god you look like an idiot why did you wear that why did you wear makeup well because uh, i didn't have a hard time Having a hard time. Yeah. Let's put it that way. You know, and it was just it was just all all good. Oh man, my daughter's too young to listen to this thank God. Someday though. Like <laughs> Googling this crap. Oh yeah. But anyway, um but we're near not here to talk about my yeah. massive career in rock. We're here <laughs> to talk about your massive career in radio. I I wouldn't call it massive by any stretch of the imagination, but it it was a it was a nice five year run, which is really lucky for this was my first job in radio. I right. I worked at a warehouse before that, then I worked at a call center and I won a contest to get on the air, sort of like a I think the last major contest winner who's still on the air was uh it was and is Daria O'Neill and she she took that chance and she turned it into I mean she her Daria, and Storm Daria, Large are pretty much like the, the queens yeah. of Portland media at this point, really. Daria won a contest? Daria, from what I understand, won a contest to get on the air that was and a long she time was ago, uh, I think. Yeah, she, it was with yeah. Mike Chase when Mike Chase was back on uh, NRK. He runs a uh, a country show now, I think, on The Wolf. And uh, yeah, he yeah. was. Uh, she was Mike Chase's co-host after this contest, and I think they thought you know it would be like maybe a month or two, and they'd get her out of there. Sort of like they thought with me, I was going to be on the air a month or two, and then they'd kick me out of there. She ended up sticking around and uh, and building quite the career for herself. Me, not so much. But uh, the one thing we do have in common is that we both sort of. Uh, got our foot jammed in the door however we could and then just stuck around well you got and, your big, uh, you got your big break kid yeah that was basically well you i know, knew once i got in the door guys with cigars I, and going hey, get to your big break kid you know it's this real <laughs> 1940s uh, stuff you know yeah, you're, you're I, off there with the sandpaper and the and the coconuts doing like the uh, the lone ranger's uh, hoofs you know Hey, you fat boy! The co-host is sick! Get over here! Well, the, the equivalent there was uh, I walked into the building and immediately started uh, producing commercials. Like, I knew how to use the equipment that was there because I had spent a large amount of my time when I was a, uh, a, a dirty white boy in Salem with a bunch of uh, dirty white boy friends trying to make hip-hop beats. Um, I couldn't really rhyme. But uh, they needed music, so I stole a bunch of software off the internet, trained myself how to use it so I could make them uh, instrumentals that we could go chase a hip-hop career like, you know, like a bunch of dirty white boys in Salem had a real prayer at. And uh, based on all that experience from, you know, taking uh, disparate elements from other records and piecing them together instrumentals, I knew how to... Uh, how to manipulate the program that they just so happened they were using at the studio. So when I walked in, I was like, oh, I've been using this for the last four years. And they're like, okay, well, uh, here's some production that our production guy is a little uh, overburdened with. Can you knock some of these out? So like the first week that I'm there, like my trial week, 
I'm helping out with uh, the stuff that's making them money. So even if I hadn't won the contest, they were going to have me come in and help in some sort of production assistant capacity. It just so turns out that I can uh, BS yeah, at an alarming um, rate, and that helped. Bobby, my laptop is down. Uh, could you, like, get this thing hooked back up to the Internet, please, for me? Oh, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Oh, by the way, yeah. the co-host is sick. Can you get in there and do that? <laughs> Your big break, kid. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, it's all technology at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and actually, arguably, radio radio people are, you know, if you compare them to reporters, you know, newspaper reporters, the radio guys are obviously a lot more advanced in the technology and the audio technology. They're all using software. They've all evolved in the studio from outboard gear to all digital mm -hmm. gear, you know? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the board techs and a lot of the people, like like yourself coming from tech, you mm -hmm. end up, you're, you're the tech guys. I mean, you're, you, yeah. it's not like you get on the internet and go, oh, what do I do? Or, you know, pull mm -hmm. up Audacity or know how to, like, you know, I think the first time I ever, like, DM'd you was, like, something about your bit rate on the files you were posting on the podcast, and you're like, yeah, you know, I'm compressing it up and slamming it pretty hard, and then we're running it through lame, and I'm like, oh, my results are different. You know, it's like, you know, you're just like nailing this stuff out, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah, so, well, a, a, lot of the, a lot of the reason that uh, KUFO even had podcasts in the first place was because Court and I just sort of started doing it. Like, there's technical, technological knowledge in radio to a point, if you go beyond uh, the people who are, you know, working on the boards and and maintaining the servers, if you go up to where like the salespeople are or even the managers, a lot of them don't have a fundamental understanding of how the internet works. Like there probably wouldn't be a podcast section on KUFO, and I don't know if there still is anymore now that we're all gone. But there wouldn't have been one if Court and I um, didn't start talking with this guy named Jeremy McDermott. He uh, he actually I think was uh, pivotal in inventing streaming technology back in the very very early 90s. He was at Oregon State University um, working on something with that. And uh, he had some free server space to share. And we basically would upload stuff to MySpace. And he would go ahead and scrape the audio from MySpace, from the show that we did, turn it into an RSS feed, and then and throw it back out to the internet. And eventually that moved to him just go ahead and give us some server space. We'd upload some shows. And uh, eventually, KUFO took notice of the fact that we had our own show. We were doing our own podcasts. And it was just around the time that corporate entities were like, uh, we need to figure out how to make money on this internet thing. And um, we hear that there's the streaming and the, and the podcast. If you've got shows that do stuff like that, you need to talk to them. And so um, our managers came to us. And they're like, you're, you're doing this, this podcasting thing? We're like, yeah. So, so what's your number? So we go and give them the numbers. And we showed it to uh, the people up top. And they were like, wow, that's very interesting. Your numbers pretty much triple the entire site's numbers by themselves. So we're just going to go ahead and uh, make you merge with our website. And then we'll just go ahead and do all the podcasting stuff from there. So I'm like, if it hadn't been for us just going ahead and doing it because we knew that there was an audience there and that was a, a prime place for our, our audience to grow and for us to do the things we wanted to do but we couldn't do because we were under a time constraint because we had to, you know, get out of our little talk break and do, like, another three, four song set and then some commercials and then another two songs, then we get to talk again. Um, if it wasn't for us just going ahead and saying, you know, we're going to do our show, we'll put it on the Internet and see if people will enjoy um, the, the more unfiltered take there – there probably wouldn't have even been a podcast section at KUFO. I mean, not to go tooting the own horn completely, but it would have taken some time. Yeah, I mean that was the that was the thing that um, 
you know surprised me mm-hmm. was to see what you guys were doing on the KUFO website and yeah. relative to podcasting. And so so this was this was that progression of that 5 year period in radio, right? Because yeah. podcasting arguably eh, 5 years, you know, probably a little bit earlier in the RSS feeds, but generally you know that that seems to be like the the progression. I mean, I think I got into podcasting. I was listening to podcasts for a year before I got into it, and that was you know we've been doing um, our stuff for you know two years. So yeah, you know that was another well, year. I, I was listening I was to Gilmore it, Gang uh, and all that stuff, and Leo Laporte was starting Twit, and you know, and, yeah. and of course Adam Curry was there day one, radio guy. That was right. The- that was the guy I was about to name check. Yeah, I was yeah. aware of it uh, back when Adam Curry was talking about it, and, the, and the, the the verbiage was still pretty new to me. And it just seemed very unfocused and vague. And I was like, well, I didn't. Basically, oh, yeah. what I like I, I needed yeah. I needed an aggregator. I needed somebody to point me towards these things and wrap my head around what what podcasting really was. It, it was one of those instances where sometimes the internet is a little too clever for its own good, and it seems to to throw up obstacles to ensure that um, the noobs just don't stumble in and ruin all the good things. And podcasting felt like that to me. Like I, I couldn't quite understand exactly what they were going for, and it wasn't until someone described it to me in a way that I could wrap my head around that I started jumping into it whole hog. And now it seems that, that podcasting is on the verge of completely you know going mainstream that people are gonna start realizing that they can put together their own little networks on their ipods on their zoons on whatever their little mp3 players are so so the difference there is that what happened in my mind what happened is Mm -hmm. apple it it was the 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 introduction of the ipod and and the introduction of itunes um so before that you know, I mean, I think it was Adam Curry, and I think it was Dave Weiner. I want to say, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, also had a hand in that. You know, the whole RSS, and then the whole um, the the technical thing was was being able to take RSS and then do what's called an enclosure. All an enclosure is is to point to a media file, right, mm-hmm. in your RSS feed. It's yeah. pretty much that simple, right? It's uh, RSS is an XML formatted file. You know, you've got all the XML definitions for RSS, and then you say, oh, and by the way, this thing we're talking about here is this MP3 file, and if you go to this, this, uh, uh, you know, this, uh, here's the, here's the directory, here's the, you know, the, the URL, so to speak, that's where you find the file. And then you have something smart enough to go, oh, okay, I can give that, serve that up as a link, and if you click on it, you'll launch your, audio player or whatever yeah so you know they were doing i think back then they were calling them pod catchers or for lack of a better term that's what they are right to catch that media whether it's a mp3 file first or now video files mm-hmm. and, and and that's where a lot of the confusion comes in even yeah. now is that all itunes is is really a podcatcher. a lot Absolutely. of people think that Absolutely. to listen to listen to a podcast on itunes that it's got to be in some sort of special format that only itunes can understand i mean and that and that's the apple's benefit because if you can so tightly right. um confuse the two then it only benefits them because people are going out there and they're downloading itunes just because they think that's the only way they can listen to a podcast well, you know good for apple but that's the that's the iTunes, you know, the the music side when you go buy something and you download the the file. Uh the the yeah, the podcasting side is just, you know, uh pointing you to a free and clear MP3. 
and yeah. and the iTunes software can can look at that. I didn't even use iTunes first. I, I started off uh, with Yahoo. Yahoo had a podcatcher, yeah, and I used that for a while, and then I ended up using Adam Curry, his podcatcher, which was um, it's called uh, Juice now. I think it was called iPodder. And then it was called Juice. Yeah. And it was like this really lightweight, geeky, you know, it didn't have all the bells and whistles with graphics and crap. It was just like, load this thing up and download my damn podcasts, you know? Yeah. The perfect geek in me, you know? And then I can transfer those files onto my SD card or my computer and listen to them. I don't want to go through all the headache. And, yeah. you know, I got an iPhone like everybody else does now, too. And, you know, I still cringe. I'm not using iTunes right now. In fact... The problem I have right now is I'm waiting for the Court and Fatboy feed on iTunes to become searchable so I can go up there and go get new podcasts and mm-hmm. see your new stuff and just download it wirelessly. I, breaking news. Breaking news. That yes. is now searchable. That just went live about... Uh, <laughs> I, we, we, we've been trying to upload the thing for like the last five days. Apple, I guess, was having a problem yeah. on their end, and they weren't letting anybody know. They weren't making any steps to fix it, from what I understand. And then finally... Um, Late Monday afternoon, they started accepting new podcasts. Now, somebody, again, so we got what? ours in there. I bet yep. you it was a similar thing. Tarosi had the same problem with um, with Meme PDX because uh, mm-hmm. we started doing Meme PDX. We put it through the back end of Silicon Florist, and the thing is, is he was trying to update it, but because iTunes already has like something set up, if you try to change it or whatever, it's a conflict, or you try to post it and they're like oh no no no, we already got it over here or something i bet it's yeah. something like that it's like one of those no, no it we, wasn't even that it was just yeah. their infrastructure was completely screwed for like well, seriously the last just, four days yeah. nothing was getting posted nobody could put anything new on itunes for like the last four days and they finally fixed it they didn't Crap, tell anybody what was wrong feed. and they still haven't explained it huh i need to check my feed <laughs> oh yeah no it's it's up as a matter of fact and i've already got uh I, I emailed Court because he's got he's got the the plethora of Facebook friends and I've got the plethora of Twitter friends and we're sort of like a a two headed monster of the of the social networking at this point. So I hurried up and tweeted. I was like, "You can find us in iTunes now. Just search for cool. Court and Fatboy in iTunes. We're the only podcast that pops up now. The old feed has gone away. Uh, subscribe awesome. to us, rate us, and the cool thing with that is that if if a, a big swell of people hits." And subscribes via iTunes all at the same time. You end up on the uh, the new and upcoming banner that that shows at the top of the podcast uh, menu in iTunes. Yeah. So when you go to the store, it's just this banner of like six shows up at the top, and you end up in that thing, and I, that helps grow I think grow of, your audience some I think more. There's so. a bit of underhanded payola with that too, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, well, there probably is, but oh, I, have, yeah. I have seen oh, yeah. I have seen some uh, shows legitimately pop up. I remember the uh, the Emerson show when it's. Uh, when its podcast first showed up, when it got rehired over at CBS Radio and was part of a uh, AM 970, and their podcast officially made the move over, that thing hopped up into like I think the top 40 in the space of you know a week and a half, two weeks, and it's st- and I know CBS wasn't paying money to anybody because CBS didn't have any money in its marketing budget for the long, almost the entirety of the time I was there. Um, so that was one of those uh, cases of legitimate entry into the new and upcoming uh, entries. Up at the top of the iTunes page, so, and so we, you know, and I, I think probably everyone who even bothers to listen to this understands it, but I'm just going to say it anyway. You yeah. know, iTunes is a directory. Yeah, that's all it is. It's it's like the Google of podcasting. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not. Um, 
it's not uh you know there's no there's nothing in the back end for for iTunes you know it's not something you can go up there or pay a little money or register and post your your files there there's nothing there for podcasters other than uh, I need to go up there and register for, with iTunes and put my thing up on iTunes because this is the directory and and tons you know millions of people go up on iTunes and do searches and you know maybe they'll find my stuff and yeah you know for me it's kind of like oh man you know it would be nice to break that little you know de facto kind of monopoly that you know i mean and it's not a monopoly but you know that yeah. that kind of thing that that apple and itunes has over well, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's so much a matter of breaking it as learning how to use it to your potential. I'm finding it's sort of uh, there. There's two other people that are doing similar things right now. Um, one of them is Joss Whedon, and another one is Rupert Murdoch. And those are two really weird names to be linking together. But what I'm noticing they're is that they're doing together. As, yeah, not not <laughs> not so much the podcasting, but it's sort of the same business model. And I think it's going to uh, work for them in ways that it hasn't worked for other people. Um, Rupert Murdoch is thinking about making uh, Fox News a pay site in a way that, you know, like the New York Times has probably tried before and the Washington Post has tried before, but it hasn't really taken. Fox News, um, I think it realizes that, okay, everyone's on to us that we're not really a news service and the audience that we have isn't really coming to us for news anyway. They're coming to us for opinion. They're coming to us for our brand and the product that we offer. That isn't very newsy, but definitely appeals to them in the same way that people watch WWE and root for their their favorite greased up, roided out, underwear underwear wearing body slammer or something, you know. So they're coming to that for that specifically and they know the audience is only going to grow so much. So at that point you're not getting any new customers. You're not going to be growing your brand anymore. Just shut the door behind all the people who are in and then start charging them money for the product. And that's probably your best bet at getting a, a pay structure to go. Joss Whedon's show Dollhouse just got canceled today on Fox. Whedon's audience is similar to Fox's audience in that people are definitely going to go and check out whatever he does regardless of the quality, regardless of whatever he's feeding them. And he's done a and lot you, of good stuff. You know stuff. my opinion on Joss Whedon, right? Yes, I, I do. But it's not not the man. But, I'm but, sure the guy's great. I'd love to have drinks with him sometime, but yeah, you know. <laughs> but his audience is similar in that the product that he's going to put out has a definite audience. That audience has a oh, definite has a limit. definite audience, a very strong yeah. audience. And that audience is willing to put a, a shit ton of money in his yeah. pocket. So Joss Whedon's next project, I pooped in the toilet. Look. <laughs> And that project is going to go straight to the internet, I bet you, sort of like Dr. Horrible did, and he's going to offer it up for free for a week, and then what he's going uh, to do... Kami Chaos says I shouldn't do that. It's like, dude, all over the internet, people love Joss Whedon. Don't go there. It's like, I can have an opinion, you know? (laughs) Well, what he's going to do now is sort of like, okay, guys, go ahead and follow me over the internet now that I've built this cred and I've, I've built this brand and I've built this fan base through the, the normal typical channels, come with me over to this spot over here, he'll shut the door behind him and he'll start charging people 
for his content. Okay, so, or maybe not even so much his content, but for like for the DVDs, the merchandise, um, events that he'll put on. And that that is how I think you're going to end up monetizing things um, on the internet scale. It's going to be the, – the model that people need to look to as far as podcasting goes shouldn't be broadcasting. I don't know if you can just take the radio model, the television model, and the newspaper model of making money and just slide it over the internet and drop it straight down. I don't think you can do that. The, the one – Internet medium I've seen make money and make money very well um, is web comics of all things. Now there's a lot of web comics out there that don't make money that just sort of flounder out there. They get a lot of attention, but they haven't figured out a way to make money. But the web comics that have figured out to make coin make a lot of coin, and it seems to be sort of like give us set up examples. like a hub. Like for example, Penny Arcade. Penny Arcade is probably one of the biggest web comics period that have ever been, and they make ridiculous sums of money but the, the comic itself is free there are boards attached those are free there's there's blog postings that go along those are free it's not like they charge you for you know extra ex, extra comics or something or you know a, a peek behind the site what they do charge you for are um you know books they charge you for uh, prints. They charge you for all sorts of merch. There are events that go on, and that uh, a lot of the the events help them out. Um, what happens is you give away your main content for free, and then you figure out how to monetize everything else that goes around it. And that is how you end up making your money. I think it's going to end up being the same thing with uh, Whedon's new project on the internet, whatever that is. It's going to be the same thing with whatever Fox News is doing, where they'll they'll charge a subscription for you to come see the site, and then while you're looking at all of this uh, opinion masquerading as news, they'll sell you like you know twenty dollar back scratchers and some and some uh, I don't know some t-shirts. And uh, so, wait, I think so, podcasting... so they're going to sell you swag, but uh -huh. they're going to give you the actual content for free. Yeah, because the content. The content production is going to have such low overhead anyway that it's not really coming too too much out of your pocket. Now, if you're if you're hyper successful and you got a, a huge audience, you got to figure out a way to put on uh, events is that are going to get you money. Is this and the George it, Lucas model, the Star Wars model? It's like I sold the rights to 20th Century for to make Star Wars, but uh -huh. oh, by the way, I got all the merchandising rights. And 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 that is and that is a very good way to look at it now. If Lucas wanted to really revolutionize things, you would look to George Lucas. You, I mean, he's but, got I mean, that's all what the money he did. in the world. That's how he funded. Yeah. I mean, he funded Lucasfilm. He funded everything. It's like 20th hmm. Century Fox owns Star Wars. Yeah. You know, and you know what happened with that. But he said, yeah, I'll keep the toy and the merchandising rights. Yeah. Guess what? In high, And that was before any movie was really doing that. You know, I mean, before Lucas... You really didn't, yeah, you had some toys and stuff like that, but it wasn't lucrative. Yeah. You know, and Star Wars had, the original Star Wars had branding, had action figures, had toys, had models, you name it. Every mm -hmm. bit of that cash went in George Lucas's pocket. It didn't go into 20th Century Fox, as I recall the deal. Yeah, that's that's pretty much exactly how it went down. And then yeah, they came he, back and said, "Make some more movies," and said, "Ha ha, yeah, let's do that." No, yeah, no. And he got the sequel rights too, because yeah. sequel rights were pretty, uh, pretty much yeah. a, a a no go as far as the movie studios went. They didn't care about sequel rights, and they didn't care about merchandising. He was like, "Well, I want the sequel rights. Um, you can go ahead and keep that stuff over there. I'm going to take all the merchandising," and that's how um, his empire of eventually grew, is because he got all that money so it, from selling you toys, selling you t-shirts, selling you bed sheets, selling you things that are very closely tied in to what made the movies themselves fun. So back to your model. Is that what you're yeah. talking about? Where the content... That's sort of... 
yeah, I that's mean, sort I'm of what I'm talking about. Ra- especially with a, I'm having a hard time wrapping uh, my head my head around uh, wh- what you're talking about as far as this monetary, you know, how to monetize this model because you know I'm doing media all the time here. Yeah, a good time. Woo woo woo. Let's monetize, and we'll talk a little bit about. Um, uh, I want to understand this, and then I want to go into uh, what you're talking about with what I call walled gardens and trying to, you know, uh, lock the door and open the door for paid subscriptions because our last Crazy Talk interview was with my good friend Joe Christensen of Blaze Streaming Media. He's mm-hmm. uh, 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 kind of a... Uh, we're, we partner on a lot of projects together. We do a lot of really, really good, high-quality video um, streaming on the web. He's off doing uh, Challenger tennis tournaments, which are hugely popular. This is like the feeder into the open, right? And yeah. he's doing pay-per-view. And, you know, right away, his first match, within a day, a guy in Europe was poaching it and putting it up for free on Justin TV. Mm-hmm. Walled gardens, I mean, are, you know, when you look at it, walled gardens don't work. Someone's going to break that. They're yeah. going to break your pay model, and then they're going to go, I'm just going to crack this and open this. Yeah. Open your DRM up and and provide it for free. And, and that's why I'm suggest. That's why I'm not suggesting that people try and say, "Okay, you if you want to listen to the, my podcast, you got to pay to listen to the podcast." The podcast itself needs to stay free. In Whedon's case, the television show itself needs to stay so free. Dr. Anyone free. can access it. Any anyone can watch it. Yeah, but what so when, going, when he posted it on the web, it, it was free. Doctor Horrible yeah. was free, so anybody could go up there and watch the episodes of Doctor Horrible up on the web, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, if you wanted to make money off of it, then if you want the extras, if you want the commentary, you got to buy the DVD, and that's going to cost you fourteen bucks. Okay, see you know what I'm saying? Now, some someone could, of course, burn that crack it and throw it on there, but that's yeah, okay. more effort. That you add that extra little uh, wall of now effort. Let's let's, let's and, make and that a given. A, let's make that a given. Yeah. Let's say let's say okay, the con the actual content he produced on the web was free. I know, you know, I finally watched. The, all the episodes when they were all posted up there on the mm-hmm. web. Um, and you can I still know, watch it on Hulu think, at any time, from what think, I understand, so it's still free. Right, I actually think somebody brought over the DVD, but that, that's beside the point. Um, but you could mm-hmm. watch it for free on the on the net. So now you're a real fan, and you want the commentary, and you want the back backstory and everything, and you're a fan, so you're going you're gonna to lay out the, the cash for the DVD. Yeah, yeah, okay, we all know that DVDs can be cracked, CDs can be burned, uh, you know, tapes can be made, Xeroxes, mm. you know, whatever. We know that. That's a given. Let's 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 forget about that for a minute. Yeah. So you got you the, have to forget about that too. Right. You you got the real fans who are going out and buying the DVD because they want the mm. and they feel good about it, right? They're like, I love Joss Whedon. Yeah, I'm going to buy the DVD. Right. I mean, yeah. there is that core group of fans who are going to buy the DVD. They're not going to rip the DVD off because they're going to like, no, no, no. I I really like this guy and I want to support him. Okay, so here's the problem I'm having, okay? So we give away the content for free. We sell a DVD. Okay, first of all, DVD, dead technology. Okay, all right. You get where I'm going with this, right? Mm -hmm. How long is that? I mean, five years from now, you're not going to be like, dude, I got to get that Dr. Normal DVD for the commentary on Crazy Talk, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because... It's not going to exist. I mean, Blu-ray is shaky at best with with the folks who are who are uh, 
uh, have the high-end you know the video systems but here's the deal it's all going to be streaming media all the time on the net Mm -hmm. it's oh you know forget you're not going to be handed something now this is this is my argument and there's a lot of people who argue argue against me um uh, for the same reason and 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 i'll I'll, I'll cue this up because I've had this argument with several people. For the same reason, the people go out and buy that vintage quadraphonic Miles Davis album from their yeah. local record store because it's a piece of art, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not really the content. You're not going to really play that, right? Right. It's a collector's item. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would say five years from now or into the next decade, the Dr. Horrible DVD is a collector's item. It's not the content. It'll all be streamed. Yeah. You'll have well, a and channel that's why, to stream it. And, and that's why I'm saying that the content itself needs to be free. Now, the DVD is maybe not so much a medium to enjoy that content as it is a collector's item. The idea here is to create such a connection with your listenership and make your product as, uh, as, as attractive to the people you're trying to sell it to as you can so that everything that you're selling around the content that you're producing becomes a collectible so far as they're concerned. That t-shirt maybe isn't just a t-shirt, it's something that they collect. Okay, that, that little vinyl toy becomes something they can set on their desk. Why? Because they're collectors and we've been trained as a society to uh, to engage in retail therapy. Buying things make us feel better and we feel better if we're buying things that we enjoy um, when we're watching TV, when we're listening to the radio, or when we're going out to the movies. The theatrical experience at this point isn't even really about the movie you're watching it's about going out there theaters are never going to go away but they're also the more like advertisements for the dvd for the blu-ray for um you know for for pulling it down later off the internet and i think that's the way that radio is starting to go at this point you listen to the radio it's still free it's always going to be around it's you know essentially wireless technology um but radio is going to end up being an advertisement for all the stuff that you can get on the internet and only all the on the internet all the extra stuff and then when you go to the internet there's going to be like you know t-shirts there's going to be collectibles there's going to be um extra product that you can only get on the internet and that's where you're going to end up getting your money so 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 you're saying radio and 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 i would say i would say it's the digital content i would say it's the bits and the bytes that are streaming uh Mm -hmm. you know we 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 can you know we've got some time here we can talk about terrestrial radio later if we if we want yeah. to i think this okay. is a, a much more interesting and relevant discussion right now so here's okay. my point um and, and I'll, I'll use i'll use an old really old guy historic reference and that mm-hmm. is the super bands from like the early 70s so there was a there was a point a story where bands like and you know people might correct me on the details but bands like Led Zeppelin right mm-hmm. signed record contracts or draconian uh uh i mean if you look at a record contract there's a reason why the mafia laundered money into the entertainment business okay yeah Oh, you don't even have well, to go as far back as uh, as Led Zeppelin. I mean, right. if, if you're worried about listeners not getting the example, um, my favorite example was a uh, hip hop group in the early '90s called A Tribe Called Quest. Um, they once uh, broke down their earnings off of I think their most popular album at the time, The Low End Theory. I think it sold like two to three million copies, something like that. Three members of the group, each member of the group made, if I remember correctly, fifteen thousand dollars 
yeah. off of their triple platinum out fifteen thousand dollars each. And triple platinum is what? How many millions of dollars? Uh, think at the time, I think a CD was thirteen bucks, an album was eleven, a tape was nine, and they sold three million copies of those three things. And we know that you know to yeah. press a CD is about fifteen cents. Yeah, to yeah. make a cassette is like nine. And you know the the they didn't put that much marketing and R and D into it because that was still the early days of hip hop, so people weren't really advertising it. Video shoots were like a camcorder and right. some cheap effects, and they still only came out of it fifteen thousand bucks each. Yeah. Three yeah. forty five thousand dollars went to the band off a triple platinum album. Right, and they were lucky to get that too. <laughs> yes, they <laughs> <I> mean, were. <laughs> it was like you know, but but the point was is these these bands, right? Mm-hmm. They they ended up making money on touring because they owned their touring, right? They owned their 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 tour. They owned their merchandising for the tour. So that's where you sold all the kids the T-shirts and the whatever, you know. Uh, and and like if you look at the old bands, like I use the old examples, that's where they were making the money. You know, that's mm-hmm. why it was important to go on a big tour because you'd you'd pack the the stadiums and and you'd actually make money there because you weren't making money off your albums and that actually goes back to what i was talking about about the the events like if a podcast wants to make money and you can't just you know sell an ad like you could on radio or on television just throwing an ad on your website isn't going to get you as much bucks as you think you can have an event figure out a way to throw an event have those listeners come down and get yourself a percentage of the door get yourself a percentage of whatever merch you have set up at a table at that event that's going to basically be the podcast equivalent of the band getting screwed by the record company because they're not going to be making enough money off the the sales of their album going out and going on tour the 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 podcast equivalent of going on tour so far as i can see it is setting up a bunch of events sort of like what court and i are doing with the midnight movies well that's that's what I wanted to bring it back to. So yeah. now you got Court and Fatboy uh-huh. at courtandfatboy.com. Yeah. Uh, doing your podcast. You've revived mm-hmm. your podcast. Uh, what yeah. are you in number three? Is it? I'm sorry, what? Are you episode three? Episode, I mean, you yeah. started Monday, right? Yeah, we started Monday. So we're okay. on our, our third show was today. Our, our fourth show is tomorrow right. with uh, Byron Beck. There you go. Byron. Yeah. How's it going? Yes, good old Byron. Yes. Anyway, I, we're we're uh, fairly certain he's going to be wearing pants tomorrow. We told him to wear pants. We make sure give, there will give be him my come. regards. I, I will indeed. <laughs> um, he'll be like Doctor Who. What? No, he'll know you. He'll remember. Oh, really? That man. That man remembers everybody. He 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 lives to go out and meet new and exciting people and take pictures of them and put them up over I'm at Byron. Not Byron's. new and exciting enough for him. Trust me. Not okay. Big. Not big. We'll see. Well, I don't know. I'll do something infamous, and then, then we'll see. But anyway, courtandfatboy.com. So uh, you've revived the, revived the podcast. You've got the digital media strategy. That's what you're doing. You guys are doing events, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we're still doing had... the Midnight Movies. We're going to be showing uh, the final season of Lost uh, in late week, January right? at the Baghdad. Yeah, <laughs> we're not, not going to be charging anybody for that, A, because it's illegal, um, okay. And, okay. and B, because... There's no reason to charge anybody for something that's going to be, you know, streaming right into their homes the day of broadcast. Anyway, there's that that's right. silliness. But we 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 do want to go ahead and have a communal experience, sort of like what we did for the final season of so Battlestar Galactica. For, right. So actually, for you guys, that mm-hmm. that event's still kind of a lost leader, right? Yeah, I, I guess that's the way. You'd, I I I worked in retail, but I was shoving the boxes around in the back. But I I do 
recognize, I think, the concept of the lost leader, which is where, okay, look, we're not making any money, but you're getting used to who we are, and you're having it's a good a time. It's something that we put together, right. and so hopefully you tie those those good experiences to our name. You well, give no, no, us no. a shot. So those those appearances for you right now uh-huh. are promotional and getting the court and fat boy you know, I mean, it, it's 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 building the court and fat boy community. I mean, you've been doing it in the past, and you're continuing mm-hmm. to doing to do it yeah. because you're building your court and fat boy brand. I mean, you yeah, continue. and we and they were all all of them were free, um, or at and least for us. We social make, media, right? Yeah, we didn't make any money off of uh, any of the previous midnight movies. We just finally started to because uh, the people at the Baghdad are very understanding. They're like, well. Um, you guys aren't being subsidized by a major corporate conglomerate anymore. Do you guys want a cut of the door? And we're like, yes, thank you. Um, and so now we get a cut of the door at the midnight movies. Yeah. But before this, um, I guess you could say all these events we were putting on and, uh, putting on with no uh, monetary compensation on our part, we were doing solely because we wanted people to, uh, sort of understand that, um, our show maybe wasn't what you thought it was. I mean, cause the name does sound corny. It does sound like your typical radio cliche show, like weenie in the butt or something like that. And we wanted people to know that our show wasn't like that we were interested in things that they were interested in we knew what the city was paying attention to and we wanted to put on these events have the city notice us come hang out and realize that it wasn't you know a bunch of troglodytes smashing beer cans onto their head and groping the nearest girl with c cups that just happened to walk by we wanted to show people that we were into you know normal stuff we wanted to have fun and we wanted you to have fun with us well but so, so how are you not getting that from listening to your podcast though I mean, yeah, if well, I listen to your well, podcast and I'm a regular listener, I'm like, okay, I, I get that. I don't yeah, need, well, I don't a, need a to meet you A lot of people weren't seeking us out that, like that, though. They, they didn't, first of all, a lot of people didn't know we had a podcast until after we got fired. Like, they were like, how can we keep up with you guys? Are you guys going to be on the web? And we're like, really? well, we actually, wow. we've had a podcast for the last six months. Because so the just, majority of your content was on the damn podcast. Right? Yeah, and, and I used the word that. subsidized. Yeah. I used the word subsidized for a reason. Like CBS was paying us to do stuff on air, and Did we were doing our best on air. Commercial? Well, yeah, <laughs> for the three minutes in between commercials, yeah, and we were doing our best on air in those three minutes. But after a while, we—I mean, I don't—I don't want to speak for Court, but I know I myself was starting to look at it like um, they're subsidizing our podcast right now. They're paying right. us to do like you know ten percent of our show on the air in between songs for them and gather them an audience. But we're looking at it as that 10% is more of an advertisement for what the real show is. And that just happens to be online. And if we can steer as many of you as possible towards online to listen to it, then we're doing our job really well. Yeah. And and you, like most guests, uh, you know, appeared on SLL about a week before you got fired. Um, yeah, I like that you guys didn't mention that to me before I went on. You didn't tell me sorry that there was some that. sort of curse of Strange Love Live. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we bring down whole companies. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> we're really nice people. When it's nothing we're trying to do here. You know, we we we're actually bringing people on to promote their their product yeah. and their guys. Like, oh yeah, we're like the the pariah of Portland. Anyway, I regret nothing. Uh, but you did you did allude to this uh, when you were on SLL that, that you know the real content was on the podcast and you know and yeah. and, and we, we you know we all sort of got that right um, yeah so but the thing is so so what I'm struggling with is how so so you know the people so you're the first person for crazy talk that I've interviewed from traditional media from radio. 
Um, and you know, you're you're actually, quite frankly, you're kind of our shining example because of the fact you guys were doing the podcast and you guys were doing the traditional media. So it was like, hey, look at these guys. You know, you can kind of get behind this, right? They're they're making a living in in radio, but they're also doing the real thing on on the web, right? And they're doing yeah. the real content on the web. So. The challenge we have in new media, the challenge we have, you know, uh, Strange Alive, you know, I, I, I want to launch this talk show called Crazy Talk. I don't know. You know, I want to, you know, do these things. It's like, how do we get paid? And and I'm not talking about, like, you know, driving the Bentley, although, you know, I'll be driving the Bentley soon, you know, running <laughs> running over those kids and, you know. Well, you are a social media guru, Dr. Normal. So. I am. I am a social media guru. Let's. I, I got to get those books out. Gotta get those yes, books out again. That's how you get publisher. paid, right? That's, I'm telling you, the books, man, the show for free, and then the books, people will buy that's the right. books, and that's where you're getting paid. You know what from. I'm thinking? It's all the, you it's know the ancillary thinking? stuff. I think maybe you can help me with this because you 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 write for Cracked, man. You're a writer. You you and I could could do this together. I'm thinking <laughs> the social media guru books as a coffee table book. I mean, yeah. you have enough of these little paperback books. It's something you really can buy for Christmas for 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 the family. You know that sits out on the co- coffee table next to the Ansel Adams and the you know the the nice picturesque things. Maybe we put some nice pictures in there. Um, I don't know. Think about it. We need to think okay. about that. The social media guru coffee table book. Thinking right. anyway. Think- so uh, <laughs> back to the real show. Um, so the thing is, is uh, you know, so you're laying this out. You're, you're like going, okay, the the content is free. Yeah, welcome to the world of the web, right? The content is free. Um, now, by the way, how is Court handling that? I mean, how is Court handling this transition? I'm curious. Um, he seems to be handling it pretty fine. I'm. I mean, I'm, he's an old radio guy. I mean, I don't mean old, but. You know, yeah, well, he was in he was in the game for 15 years. Yeah. He like came straight out of college and and landed right. a job at a very influential radio station. Got fired from there, landed at another influential radio station, and then stepped sideways and stayed at KUFO for like the last nine years of his career, something along those lines. So Eight, what nine he, years. What does like he that. think about about it all? I mean, he just well, you know, he's definitely he's definitely for it because he's you know still right. doing it. That you know, I mean, two weeks out, and we immediately you know went into our friend's basement and uh, you know. They're streaming us on their streaming network but over here's the thing. All, all of us internet guys were like yeah. going, okay, well, fuck that, KUFO. Come on, guys, where's your, you know, let's fire this up, you know? I mean, we're all waiting for you to do yeah. that, right? So we're all yeah. just like, well, okay, and, whatever, you know? And I, and I understand that there's some skepticism on the parts of some internet guys because they've seen it happen with radio people before where they'll get fired. And then they'll they'll look to the internet sort of like a rebound. No, no, no. Girlfriend. I'm going to kiss your ass for a minute because you guys were doing it before you got fired. Okay, but but what I'm saying is there, and that's there the are difference, a lot of right. Yeah, but there are you a lot got of people it before. <laughs> but no, there no, are a lot I mean, of people who literally who went to the internet and then you know they sort of you know it was like a rebound girlfriend. They were I know, waiting. I know for their for their chance. They were looking at the their podcast as like a calling card, and then the instant they got a real job. They they abandoned the internet again, and they yes, looked at the internet yes. as a ways to like you know keep their their game sharp before they could go out and and get themselves another check and abandon the internet again. And if we do get hired by another radio well, station if you here in town, radio, if, that's what you do. Yeah, I, but if 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 they uh, if they hire us again, it's not like we're going to abandon the internet. It's going to be the exact same thing, and we're going to let those people know whoever hire us that we're going to need access to a board feed, and they're going to have to expect 
that we are going to want to put up a podcast. There's going to be a spot on the website for us to put up that podcast. And when the microphones go dark and we have to play like another two, three songs again or whatever, we're going to be talking and that show is still going to happen. Part of our paycheck is essentially going to be subsidizing the podcast that we're going to keep doing. So, I mean, it's, it's not so much that we're going to the Internet because we got fired. It's we're staying on the Internet and our radio job just sort of went away. Maybe that'll come back, maybe not, but we're st- the show was on the Internet from the beginning. It's going to stay on the Internet for as long as it's a show. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's the thing I get from you guys is that, uh, I mean, yeah, you could get picked up on the radio again or, mm-hmm. or not, you know? Yeah. Or you've got this digital play. Um, but the yeah. thing, but here's the thing. So uh, we got to go step back to the money. Step back, you know. How does Fat Boy get paid? Uh, yeah. You know, how, how do you guys eat, right? right. Because th- this is the thing. You know, when you're in radio, you're getting that paycheck, right? And you have yeah. the the mattress that you're selling or whatever mm-hmm. transmissions or whatever. God, I don't know. What the hell did you guys say? do? You, do you know what, what were the role of commercials that they sell? Um, well, we ourselves, we were used as sponsors quite a few times. I know uh, Court sold a lot of uh, sold a lot of stuff for Shane Company. Um, he also sold some stuff sold some stuff for uh, Jose Cuervo at some point. Near the end, we were both doing ads for Burgerville, a local company, um, Mattress World. The entire reason KUFO had um, a text service for the first four months was because um, Sherry Heiner over at Mattress World liked us and decided yeah. to uh, advertise with us, and that paid for the uh, the text service over at KUFO. Um, well, I was uh, working with Cricket Wireless. Um, Cricket, Cricket sponsored me for about like a year and a half straight. So are these, so, I mean, so are these leads that you get yourself. So you're on the radio, and it's like you go out and you talk to the people – or, or is well, that no, your... not necessarily. This this was where the the sales department would go out and they would try and get a client, and the client would. But then you um, have to go. go into well, who sit right? It's like, yeah. well, we want to meet Fat Boy, right? Yeah, that would happen. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah, not... like um, there was a local business. I think it's the Glen Gary leads. It's the Glen yeah. Gary leads. These are the leads. The leads are weak. You're weak. Yes, Glen Gary, Glen Put Ross that style. Coffee you, you down. Coffee is for closers. My favorite, movie. my favorite play. <laughs> I love David Mamet, actually. Oh, how can you not love David Mamet, though? You know, he wrote all the dialogue for uh, for uh, the Untouchables. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus! I mean, that's some dialogue right there. Oh, yeah, the Chicago way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He wrote all that stuff. Sean Connery Perfect. wrote an Oscar on his dialogue, man. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he comes to you with a bat. You come at him with a gun. He puts one of yours in the hospital. You put one of his in the morgue. Exactly. That's how you get Capone. And that's that's Chicago. the Chicago way. Uh, what are yeah. you prepared to do? <laughs> As I wear my hat, man. I got my Sean Connery hat, right? Oh uh, yeah, we're getting all sorts of Irish up in here. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, oh, man, you're killing me, man. Sorry, <laughs> you totally like went off on. Um, and we could do this for we could do all, all the trivia all night because you you are like the trivia expert. Yeah, I'll, I I could do this for five straight years, as a matter of fact. Exactly, so. <laughs> and you will continue to do it for five more straight years till you get the yeah. Bentley and you cash out and you're driving around Southeast Portland, running over poor people. It's like I'm I'm cool with the Corolla. I'm fine. <laughs> Bitch, could you watch my windows, please? Um, Put some shine on the Autobots. I remember right? when that guy was a sidekick, man. I was there with him. I had him on my <laughs> podcast. I did, Mister. Anyway, um, anyway, which one were you, Court or Fat Boy? I can't remember. Um, I was Boomer. <laughs> so, uh, so again, 
back to monetizing your podcast. It's all yeah. about the advertising. You need to get mm-hmm. ad ads and sponsors, right? Yes. Tell me I'm wrong. What what else you got to do? You 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 know you're gonna make the appearances because you're you're building up your brand. You know what? Strange Love Live in two years. That's what we did. You know we kind of mm-hmm. made. I mean, in the social media, in the technology scene. Um, by the way, we're streaming at night next week at the Baghdad. Thursday night. Oh, good. SLL Very good. Productions will be streaming Ignite because um, Blaze Streaming is out of town, by the way. So, yeah. <laughs> and he's been doing it for the last couple times. And he's like, Mike, you got to go stream this for me. All right. Um, but we love Ignite. We've sponsored Ignite in the past. Um, so, you know, we're known in the technology kind of realm, you know, and we, we do these things that, that we want to support the community, number one, and it gets the word out, you know, check out what we're doing. Come to us, you know, check it out. It's, you know, it's also about the numbers game. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you guys have to go get those sponsors, right? And now this yeah. time, you guys need to go get it. You yeah. and Court need to go grab those sponsors and start putting them in the podcast. So what's the model there? How are you going to do that? Are, are we going to, like, in a year, listen to courtandfatboy.com and, like, every uh, five minutes and then 20 minutes of commercials and then five minutes and 20 minutes of commercials? How's that See, you look? See, you can't do that. I know for a fact right now there's no way you could do that because it's going to it's going to kill your content. You're going to end up crowding out your content and people are going to stop listening. That's, that's part of what I was saying earlier about you can't just take the radio model and the TV model and slide it over to the internet because we have learned time and again that if you try and take that those models and just drop them on the internet, viewers will just go somewhere else. I mean, you you heard the outcry about what happened when they heard that Hulu might end up being a, a subscription oh, service. Yeah, and, and that's going to be the same thing. The amount of ads, Hulu but you guys has... aren't going to do subscriptions, right? No, no, no. We're not going to do subscriptions at all. We're what, not, not going to make. Wait a minute. What we'll about never an upsell? Make people... What about an upsell? What? what about an upsell? You know, you've got the free content over here, but now you've mm-hmm. got the. You owe me a royalty for this, by the way. The yes. Court and Fat Boy after hours, after after hours. <laughs> nah, I see. I, I don't think. I don't think at any point if if you start if if it was already for free and we're we're sort of right. I don't want to say hamstrung, but if if we're trying to use that model, but we you, can't really do but it you because just made the because argument. The, the, you just made the, content- the argument. Hang on, you just made the argument that people are going out and buying that Joss Whedon DVD yeah. to get the. Uh-huh commentary track and the little behind the scenes yeah but we see what but the problem with our so show not? specifically the, the problem with our show specifically is that it's basically built on nothing but commentary and behind the scenes remember we were doing the radio show and then a whole bunch of extra content solely for the podcast we can't do any more extra content solely for the podcast because we are now solely the podcast so if we start trying to charge people for stuff we already gave them for free we're out we're lost no one's going to come for that we're going to howard stern if we're going to go to to a radio example howard stern was probably one of the biggest people in media he started charging people for stuff basically the the idea that he could go another hour when he and moved cuss to serious more. yeah and then he went to serious and he lost 75 yeah. percent of his audience and that's howard stern we're nowhere near Howard Stern. I can't even imagine what the drop-off would be if we took our content and said, all right, we're going to go maybe an extra 25 minutes and add some more cuss words. We'd probably drop 85 to 95%. Plus, when you go to the Internet, if you're a podcast and you try and give people 25 to 30% more, that's not really that much of an incentive because people like their podcasts shorter. That's why you don't have there's a long so many. Standing, sh- there's a long-standing podcast in Portland that does that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Which yeah. one? 
Delta Park Project. And they've been hmm. they've been podcasting for years. Yeah. And they have they have a free contact piece, but there's actually a a premium piece. I think you get I think their model is you get the content. Ultimately, I think you get the content, but you mm-hmm. get it earlier when it's released and it's a pop culture it's a pop culture podcast so they're talking about what's going on with the uh, um media and tv and they're talking about the joss whedon and the dollhouse and all that stuff so it's yeah. probably fresh content so you know i don't mm-hmm. know how how stale it gets if you're getting just the free feed or not but but yeah. they do that they put that model in um quite some time ago and that's uh, you know i mentioned that because that's one of portland that they've been podcasting for three or four years they've they've actually okay. been around for a while um, yeah but i mean that's their model right mm-hmm. it's kind of like and it's kind of positioned as a so here's the thing it's positioned as a again it's like a what i would call an upsell it's like you're a fan of the show you love us you love to support us well hey kick in for this and we'll give you something in return yeah you know and that's my thing that's the thing i talk about with uh, Cami Chaos from time to time, uh, you know, and other people, I'm like, well, don't position it as, you know, we're going to, you know, we've got the walled garden here and, you know, you, you know, okay, the door is closed. No, we yeah. do the content and then you're going to come in and support the show. You say, hey, I want to keep this content going. I'm supporting the show based on that free content. Yeah. And, and you go, okay, great. Now, what can I give you in return? Because you're special. Because mm-hmm. you're you're a supporter. You're 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 a special person because you're supporting us, right? Yeah. Whether it's uh-huh. see, you know a little piece of content here or something else. Thoughts? No, see, and that that I agree with. That I think is a good idea. It's just uh, for me, I'm not entirely sure that that extra thing that uh, you're going to be buying and receiving um, should be something that you would normally get as part of the show for free i I like you know an event that's something extra that you just can't download you have to go somewhere you have to experience that with someone else a t-shirt you can't just download a t-shirt you know those so i'm it i'm with you in that the upsell makes sense and that's basically the only way because the sponsorships are cool and the sponsorships are necessary but the sponsorships i don't know if they're going to be enough sort of like how the subscriptions to the newspaper aren't enough to float newspapers obviously so yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. just a question of it's a question of and it's, I think it's gonna you know differentiate itself show to show to show to show. The the question is what is that extra content going to be? Is it going to be like an extra half hour podcast for the for the shows that are gonna offer something different enough? Is it going to be like you know maybe uh you know a DVD collection of of certain things? Is it gonna be like you know hell a short film or something like that or you know a, a comedy piece that was uh, written produced directed shot here in town something like that? Is it gonna be one of those sorts of things or is it just gonna be like you know like another fifteen minute twenty minute podcast that you can only get that was taped at some sort of special event. The upsell yeah. is how you're going to make I, your money. It's just a question of how, what upsell works best for your particular endeavor. And I, and I agree with you. That's a tough. That's a tough case mm-hmm. to make. You know, and yeah. I'm sure if we were sitting here with sales and marketing folks, they'd be all over uh-huh. us like, "Oh no, 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 no! You can do this." You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They'd be all like, "No, no, you guys are getting it all wrong because you could totally do this and that." Because you know, I mean, I'm sure you've been in those meetings too, right? Yeah, you know, and you're like, "Oh, hang, hang on a second. We have an mm-hmm. audience here. We we get the ebb and flow. You know, we get the whole thing where we come in and all of a sudden we become douchey because we're trying yeah. to like, you know." Uh, 
trying to make a buck, right? Yeah. Um, so I agree with you that it's hard to say, oh, you get this extra content or something, you know, and, and, and then there's, you know, and then there's the whole thing that if you're popular, then they'll just hack it anyway and just throw it out yeah. there on the net and the bits are there, right? Well, and, and that's one of those things that you can't, you can't really concern yourself with because, I mean, even though it's easier to do it now than it was back then, it would have been the same argument back when people yeah. were making oh, dub yeah. tapes off the radio Absolutely. or back when people were, you know, taking Nagra cassettes into the theater and, and holding it next to the speaker. Absolutely. I mean, people were always yeah. going to find a way to get it for free, maybe not as high quality as it was before, but they're going to find a way to get it for free and disseminate. You were never going to get those people to buy what you were selling. Those aren't lost sales. Those are just non-existent sales. Is what they, it's not like they're taking money out of your pocket. If it's that if it wasn't offered for free, they would have never purchased what you were trying to sell anyway. So it's not like you lost money on the deal, really. It's just that um, that's money you were never going to get. But on the other hand, that can help you because now there's some awareness, and there's plenty of examples of people who have heard that free stuff and then decided that they're going to become a fan and right. lend their support because people right. like feeling the connection in in supporting. You know their favorite show or their favorite piece of entertainment. They like feeling that they're tied to that creator in some way, whether that tie is you know real or imagined simply because they parted with some of their money. You know, but they like feeling that tie. They like feeling like they're you know they're rooting for their favorite sports team or they're they're cheering their politician on to do well. And they've also they're backing the right horse. They're winning essentially. And if it's so easy to win as to, you know, buy a DVD and say that you supported that guy from day one, so be it. Like Joss Whedon. I mean, that's, that's like his, Joss Whedon. his fans who are yeah. like, I love this guy. I love everything he does. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I, I watch Dr. Horrible on the web, but I'm buying the DVD because I'm such yeah. a fan. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and, and, and I agree with you and you, you build that community, you know, you know, it's like the, it's almost like a religion, right? You shun the guy who ripped off the, the stuff, you know, and that's a strong community if you can build it. I mean, and, yeah. and that's, and I think that's, that's part of the social web is building a strong community, building a strong community with values, right? Because mm -hmm. now, you know, Court and Fatboy, uh, you guys are in the social web. You guys are in that. You're not, you're, I mean, because in radio, you were limited. You were a broadcast medium. So it was like, hi, we're, you know, broadcasting yeah. our stuff out and yeah. we're coming back with arbitrary numbers and mm -hmm. then we take those arbitrary numbers and we sell our advertisers on them. Um, yeah. And we break them down in some black magic demographics and stuff which quite fr quite frankly when i look at the pers personal people meter and stuff i think it's all bullshit i think it's complete yeah, bullshit and this is what i pointed out uh i think i think robert wagner and i were talking about it. i'm like you have the medium that can tell you so much more about the listeners and the, yeah. the content that you're producing and the interaction who's out there um uh, with you know listening to the content and that's the web this per mm -hmm. personal people meter and radio and arbitron books and all this crap that's bullshit i'm sorry yeah. and well, those those books have been cooked for years in mm -hmm. my opinion and and i don't think the personal people meter is any better and and larry wilson in this all access article that interview said it himself that he wasn't like all big on the personal people meter Right? No, I mean, well, and, and I mean, the, he made the, the case for the web been able to... on that on that in that interview. Yeah, the 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 internet has a, a definite advantage in that. Not only are they getting 
ridiculously accurate numbers because of you know how easy it is to track but who's ridiculously coming. Ridiculously accurate numbers is is ridiculously accurate data. Yeah. But you're also dealing with people who are searching you out. It's not like they're just spinning the dial and happening upon you, right. or they're walking through or a supermarket exactly. and it's playing. The These garage, are people who yeah. have sought you out. They, Getting they their teeth cleaned, you. listening to the latest Bruce Hornsby. Who knew Bruce Hornsby <laughs> had a new tune? I didn't know. I was and like, he's still recording, dude. Like the woman's like, you got the plaque build up here, and it's like I'm just sitting there twittering on my iPhone. It's like. Arr. You know, and then it's like, oh God, what was that lame song? And the guy comes on Kink and goes, "That was the latest from Bruce Hornsby." I was like, "Who knew? Who knew?" I thought there was I had no idea. Maybe the guy got into hotels or something like. Actually, Turner I know for a while there he was playing keys for the uh, the Grateful Dead. I know that. I, I don't know. I mean, next thing you know, Hootie and the Blowfish. I don't know. I don't know. No, that guy's doing no. Burger King commercials. Is he the guy in the? The the really creepy guy that stares through your window in the Burger King is he the Burger King the creepy no bef- before they went to the Burger King um, Darius Rucker I believe is his name from Hootie and the Blowfish uh, he was playing a country singer singing um, uh, you know mashed up versions of bluegrass songs that wow. he turned into uh, Burger King ditties see this is all the things I don't know when I'm on the web. <laughs> I don't watch the TV anymore. I don't listen to the radio anymore. I'm just on the web. I get all my. Oh, uh, you can find them on. You can find them on YouTube. You don't have to watch TV to watch TV anymore. That's the oh, beauty yeah, of the I'll, internet. I'll, I'll go search that out on YouTube. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Court and Fat Boy. Yeah. Know, two years out. Mm-hmm. Five years out. What does this look like? How are you making money? How are you, Fat Boy, making money on the web? You've got the podcast, right? Yeah. I still want to. I want the answer, right? <laughs> how are we making money? It's I, I don't mean, how know. You're supporting yourself, right? It's a it's a nebulous future. Right now, how I'm supporting myself is a combination of uh, unemployment, <laughs> right. um, the uh, the uh, the checks from various freelance writing gigs. Right, um, right. yeah, the, you've got the freelance the, writing to back yeah, you the, up. That's cool. The cut of the cut of the door that we're getting at some of the events based on our listenership that come out and want to want to. Ha- oh. I think through the magic of the web, we suddenly lost him. Wow. It's like my first Skype fail. Well, we'll call him back. Oh, this is awesome. Actually, now I suddenly feel like uh, Adam Curry and Dvorak on No Agenda. Oh, he's here he is. There you are. Are you there? Wow. Let's try it again. We'll we'll see if this uh if we pick this up or we uh, <laughs> Skype said this this conversation is over ladies and gentlemen. Time to play the blues music. I'm sure Cammy Chaos had something to do with this. I don't think I'm getting him back on. I might have to cue cue the uh, cue the blues music, and we'll leave it on that uh, that awesome uh, cliffhanger. Let's see if I can get him one more time. Try it one more time here.
So where was I? Oh my god, that was my first Skype fail ever. <laughs> I feel so. I listen to this show. Um, I, I love this podcast, and I listen to it from day one. And it's Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak. Now, if you don't know who John C. Dvorak is, he is. I when I first got into the PC. I was reading his columns in, in, in PC Magazine, and he is like the ultimate get-off-your-lawn curmudgeon from way back in the days of uh, of PC Magazine. And he's got a show called Cranky Geeks, and, and he's just totally the get-off-the-lawn guy. And I've always been a fan of his. And he and Adam Curry got together about a year, year and a half, you know, maybe around the same time we did Strange Love, and started doing a show together. And they just rant on politics and all sorts of stuff. And, and, uh, and you know, part of the show is, like, getting the Skype connection to work. Like, uh, like uh, one of the shows, <laughs> what, uh, like, the last episode before this one was, for some reason, the Skype connection was wrong and made John Dvorak sound like an elf. Like, literally, like he was on helium or something. It was hilarious. But, you know, they're always having these Skype problems. And these are like A-list podcasts. And I sit here, I mean, with the fact that we just dropped you for some mysterious reason, um, you know, I have really good results, you know. Yeah. Sort of like on the board, and it's like, hey, how's it going? How's it going, baby? You know? <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I was going to end it there with the blue, blues music on a cliffhanger and bring you back. But I was able to bring you back. So the question was... Yeah. You know, it's what a year out, two years out, five years mm-hmm. out. Court and Fatboy are on the web. How are they making a living? Yeah, the the hope is to get um, you know, get some sponsors to trust and believe in the idea that our listenership is strong enough and that they um they are supportive enough that if they go ahead and put their name out there on our show that they will uh, be patronized by our, our listenership. Um, that's going to probably take a little bit, honestly. It's probably not going to be so fast. A year, two years, that sh- hopefully should be long enough to, uh, to prove to any prospective advertisers that we do have that semblance of clout and that we do have that, that loyalty, that brand loyalty, that they can jump on and then share in that wealth. Um, that's the hope. Whether that's going to happen, I don't know. It's 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 interesting in that um, this is very new to me, um, and and right now, especially here in Portland, and the way that sort of the media—I don't want to say it's incestuous, but it's sort of insular. There's lots of people in various forms of media here in Portland, and they all know each other, and a lot of them hang out with each other. They see each other on the weekends. Um, you know, They write emails to each other. Um, when one of them gets fired, they get a job at another station across the way. It's going to be very interesting to see um, when some of them get let go and they you know, very obviously migrate over to the Internet, um, how well... That that clout that they carried from regular broadcast carries over to the internet, and whether the advertisers recognize that and move along with them, whether we're part of that first wave or whether we just sort of uh, flame out and quietly struggle while we keep trying to provide entertainment to people remains to be seen in the next year or two. But that's going to have to be how we end up making our money with a, a combination of of merch. 
events, um, keeping the brand alive, and convincing sponsors that hanging out with us on our show is going to pay dividends for them financially in in moving their product towards our listeners. So, um, and the big thing with me, so here's my take on that, is from radio, from broadcast, it's like selling, you know, oh, that ad ran on Court and Fatboy while I was listening to it. You know, it kind of gets ingrained in my brain. I go need to go get an oil change, and I remember, you know, subconsciously that I heard about that oil change place on Court and Fatboy because I listen to them all the time. It's that repetition, the Pavlov's kind of advertising, right? Yeah. So right. what we're seeing on the web is the opposite, is a very select group of people who are coming to Court and Fatboy, who are coming to the web for the content, because you're, you, there's an interaction there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, it, you know, it's not just like, hey, broadcast, broadcast, there's an interaction. Um, I'm involved. I'm reading, I'm reading your cracked um, posts, right? I'm yeah. listening to you on the web. I'm a fan of yours. It's like the thing we're talking about, the people who go out and get the free media, you know, the Joss Whedon, Dr. Horrible, mm-hmm. and then go buy the DVD because they're yeah. fans. I, there are two good examples of this locally that I can bring up. Uh, one is uh, the Rick Emerson Show and a local uh, energy drink called Viso. And those two are almost synonymous in that he pushes Viso because he likes Viso. Right. Viso ends up reaping the rewards of that because the people who listen to Rick Emerson are a very loyal audience. And if Emerson tells them that Viso is tasty, they're going to go out, they're going to check out that Viso. Sort of the same thing right. with Robert Wagner over PDX Sucks and Parker's Waffles. Absolutely. I was so thinking it, of that right now. It's like... You know, and and uh, so so you listen to PDX sucks, and all of a sudden you hear about this food cart called Parker's Waffles. Yeah, and and I still haven't had one of those damn waffles, and I want one because mm-hmm. I listen to Robert every day, yeah. and he's been talking up these waffles, and I want one of those damn waffles. Yeah, because I trust him. Yeah, and, and that's how I think that's how the sponsorship uh, and product. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I'm. And we should th- we should my, throw in an SLL, yeah, sponsor, the locket to you. Yeah. So See, that, that's how la- that sponsorship relationship there, is going to have to work. Is your lady that out there? It's not so much. You know, needs yeah. to. You need to get her a Christmas gift. It's an actual locket to you. Mm-hmm. You know, very nice. Yeah, yeah that's exactly how the relationship is going to have to work as far as sponsorship and content provider goes. It's. It's, it's going to have to be that way. It's almost all old school. It's almost like 40s style advertising. It's exactly where, that. Yeah, where, it, it, where, the gut, where right. Orson Welles is like smoke Chesterfields because oh. I think tasty or something like that. You know, they've got some of that on iTunes and I'll doubt, I, I love that crap. I love yeah. the really, really old school crap. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, crap. I mean, it's, 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 it's fun stuff. It's great stuff to listen to. But yeah, every, every, uh, bit of content in the early days of radio that then progressed to the early days of television was sponsored was 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 curated as you will with a brand right Mm -hmm. you know it was like like you said i I, it wasn't this but it was like the chesterfield your show of shows or something right yeah you know and they'd actually have a section of the content where they'd come out and do the product placement now we're seeing product placement today in movies all over the place right but you'd actually see the guys come out and go well i'm smoking my blah 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 you know now Mm -hmm. i don't know where we lost that 
maybe it was because it got too cheesy and too unrealistic. Right? I think what happened was there was some researcher somewhere who said that it wasn't at that at at that point in American history the uh the, the reputation of the person selling it that mattered as much as it did that the ad was repeated over and over and over again. And I think that right. might be when it shifted. I'm completely talking out of my ass. I, I haven't watched enough episodes of Mad Men to know if this is true or not. But <sighs> I think at some point, uh, some some researcher somewhere said, you know what, having Milton Berle tell us about Mop and Glow isn't as good for the business as just running a bland 30-second ad 50,000 times a day will be because then they'll just go into the store well, that was and a repetition. Yeah, and they'll just go mop and glow. And some, yeah. somebody, somebody pointed out, um, uh, I don't know if it was last night or the night before, in the chat room, you know, the soap opera. Yeah. It was the soap mm-hmm. opera because it was, you know, sponsored by, you know, the soap. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, it was- um, sponsored by Calgon. It was sponsored by Dove, and that's well, why it was yeah. a soap opera because the soap was paying for the uh, the uh, bad drama that you were watching at three in the afternoon while you're ironing your clothes and beating but, your kids with lamp cords. But talk about an audience, though. Exactly. I mean, come on, soap operas, huge audience mm-hmm. for those serials. You know? And I bet you. I mean, I'm again talking completely out of my ass here, but I bet if you look at the that's ad what rates we do on Crazy Talk. Some- that's why we call it <laughs> Crazy Talk. But I bet if, if if you if you could get the the ad rates for something at like three in the afternoon while Guiding Light is playing, and you look at the ad rates for something at like you know seven or eight when the news and some syndicated shows are playing, those ad rates for the soap operas are really high because while the audience numbers may be smaller than you know the Leno Show, and I don't even know if that's possible anymore. <laughs> um, while the audience numbers may be smaller than the Leno Show, the the people are so loyal, and you know the. The, the audience there um, spends so much money that you're getting a lot of money back for your dollar. So don't we have to be really honest, though? I mean, mm-hmm. if we're yeah, you can't you can't bullshit with the with the sponsorship. You I mean, can't if you're lie gonna sponsor your something, you know, yeah. I mean, are are you gonna sponsor that that beer and go? God, you know that tastes like piss. I can't handle <laughs> it. You know, I mean, it's it's like it, you're gonna have to believe in the product. And and the reason I say that is because. We're we're we're. I think we've spent most of the time taking the broadcast model and and applying it to the web. Okay. Yeah. And that's nice. And yes, we can stream and broadcast out the web. But there's a huge interaction model that we that you don't you didn't have on the radio. Oh yeah, right. you know they uh, at least the radio is probably more interactive than most, right? With the okay caller, call on in. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. radio probably more interactive than television or newspapers. Yeah, right? but it's so filtered down and homogenized yeah, exactly. and made rote and you know, and, and repetitive that caller, it can much well not question? be. You're yeah, like exactly. King. Um, you got two seconds to go zippity zap and have right. some cliche fall out of the caller's mouth before you shoot to the next commercial. But but the thing is, is now. Fat boys on Twitter, fat boys on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So, your you have your kind of your broadcast, and there's probably an interactive piece. You know, there's a chat room going right now as we speak. Yeah. Um, there's a back channel. Uh, half of it was about playing in bands while we while we've been talking, actually, <laughs> which is fine. You know, that's that's the back channel. That's what they're talking about. They they kind of come in and come out, and then they start. Uh, 
you know, engaging with the conversation or talk about metal metalocalypse metal yeah. and, and bands and stuff, and then they, you know, that, that's fine. Um, so there's an interaction there. We can interact. We can ask questions there, and you can too. Mm-hmm. But the point is, um, and then when you listen to Robert Wagner, you know, sometimes it's like he'll bring up something that someone said in the chat room as they're doing the show. So there's an interaction yeah. there. After the show, you're on Twitter, you're on Facebook. People, are, I, I could, I can say, hey, you know, I listened to that and I really pissed me off, buddy. You're, you're totally wrong. Yeah. On Twitter, and I can tweet that at you, or I can Facebook, and you can respond. And mm-hmm. if, you, and if you have half a clue, you will respond. You know, yeah. unless you're a troll. And I think we all get that. I mean, you, you guys are smart enough. Yeah. Well, know. what's even more valuable to me isn't so much that you can come find me on Twitter and talk about something we had on the show. It's that I can read your Twitter feed and talk to you exactly. about whatever it is you're talking about. Like, right. if you had, like, a bad time at band practice and you Twittered something that's sort of mildly amusing about how your drummer is an asshole... I can talk to you about that because that sounds interesting to me. I mean, it's not you know solely for marketing purposes, although a lot of people use Twitter so so completely as a marketing arm. But for me, it's sort of like another way to build audience in and and meet the people who are taking time to follow me and listen to me by you know legitimately paying attention to what the hell they have to say. It's I mean sometimes so, people are just on Twitter completely navel gazing and shoving a thumb up their ass and I'm not really right. going to pay attention to what they're saying. But if there's an interesting conversation going on on Twitter, I can jump into that whereas before I couldn't. I would shut off the microphones, I'd go home and that conversation would be completely gone to me. I wouldn't have had a chance to enter into that and ingratiate myself with the listeners in the way that Twitter Okay, so my point is, uh, Fatboy Roberts, big star, right? (laughs) Court and Fatboy, no, 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 big stars, and you get the interaction. I can interact with you, right? Yeah. So how does that map to your advertising? So when you come on tomorrow, tomorrow, by the way, what time do you guys come on, on the show? Uh, We stream at two, and then uh, once the stream is over, I I throw it up on the podcast at three, yeah. Do you guys live stream at two? Okay, cool, cool. Um, so, at courtandfatboy.com. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, uh, the stream is at errorfm.com. Okay. So if, if you happen to be sitting in front of a computer at 2, uh, go FM. to errorfm. And, you, and that, okay. you can find that on iTunes Radio as well. So, um, oh, okay. But yeah, then you go to errorfm and you listen there. But if you can't get to a, a computer at around 2, just do what you were doing back when we were on the right, air. Just, just download just go the to podcast. courtandfatboy.com and download it. Yeah. Okay, so we've got this interaction. You guys are big stars, and, and I can say, hey, I really like your show, fat boy. You're so cool, you know, and stuff. And we got this interaction. Now, tomorrow, you come in and you go, this afternoon's episode of Court and Fat Boy is brought to you by Chesterfield. Chesterfield with a menthol feel, and it doesn't cause cancer. You know, <laughs> I, you need to reconcile your advertisers yeah. and your product with your interaction with me i met you mm-hmm. at the baghdad for your event i interact with you on twitter i actually trust you you're my friend you know i mean we're yeah. not friends but you know what i mean as an audience member i have a deeper connection to you um you know i'm buying the dvd with the special side comments right yeah. i'm a fan what are you going to do with the advertising because the moment you drop some advertising on me that doesn't fit with who I am and this um, this community that you've built around yourself and me, because I'm involved in this community too. I'm a part of this community. You know, maybe I'm on your chat boards 
like moderating or talking about, hey, I found out something cool about, uh, uh, you know, Fatboy Roberts, and I want to tell everybody about it, right? There's this yeah. interaction here. How are you going to moderate the advertising with your community? Because I think in broadcast, it's really easy. You can drop yeah. the mat- mattress com- commercials. You can put the transmission commercials. You can do all this stuff. And, and you know what? You sit back and you laugh and you go, ah, well, that's the ad guys. What, what do I say? That's how we pay the bills. Have a nice yeah. day, audience, right? And we all buy into that, right? Yeah, you're on TV. Yeah. You're on radio. I understand. That's okay. But when you're on the web, I don't think so. I think when yeah. you're selling me something, it's a lot different. Well, and you've, I guess, I guess you have to be selective, and that sounds like that's a dangerous and risky proposition because if not a lot of people are coming to you with checks, the instant someone comes to you with a check, you're that much more hungry and eager to take it. But there has to be some sort of a selection purpose. There's got to be some sort of selectiveness to it. Now, whether it's self-selective and that the people who want to advertise with you, I mean, they obviously have an idea of what your show is about beforehand because it isn't tied to a corporate conglomerate. There isn't a national sales branch selling those ads. So maybe that clears up some of it for you. Um, but it's going to be a tough decision to make. How are you going to uh, sell this thing that you're about to put on the front and the back of your podcast, honestly, without making it feel like it's a rough fit. Yeah, I mean, I'm worried about, you know, you guys are on the web and Court and Fatboy come out looking like a NASCAR racer. I mean, that's kind Mm -hmm. of a joke I have with Joe Christensen at Blaze Streaming, is that the advertising has to be really targeted to the community, and you're not the guy with the Valvoline and the STP, and you walk out with your jumpsuit on, and you've got all the shit all over you. You know, yeah. the advertising, which is essentially what broadcast does, what broadcast yeah. has done, mm-hmm. you know, that model. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I obviously we, we don't have all the answers here, and this is what this is all about, to try and figure <laughs> yeah. out what the hell are we doing, right, you know? But I think that, um, you know, the, the trying to figure out how to not piss off your community while trying to make a living at this, I mean, this is the key. This is the key piece, right? The key right. key thing. How, how do you make it success, successful? Maybe you. Crowd- well, I think another way around it is to not overthink so much. Like in court and in, in court's case, and in my case, um, we ended up growing the audience we have, um, whatever the size of it might be, whether it's big or small, in comparison to other shows, other podcasts. We grew the audience we had because we were pretty much honest about what we wanted to talk about and who we were talking to, and we didn't really overthink it if there is a company that comes to us and our first reaction is "Eh," then maybe that company doesn't fit so well and maybe that company would recognize that our listeners might not take to them as well as they're hoping because we aren't taking to them as well as they're hoping um so it, it's it's a matter of maybe just being as honest and as real with it as possible. Because if that's what grew your grew your audience, that that no bullshit tone, then you can't be so willing to chuck that off to the side and layer a whole bunch of artifice over the top just to make sure you get some extra checks. But that's it's an easy thing to say when which, you know I'm still which, getting unemployment and yeah. you know doing uh, freelance writing to help subsidize right. my money. When that unemployment runs out and Cracked isn't posting my articles anymore, then we're going to see where the rubber meets the road and if right. these scruples and if these scruples hold up. Right, and, and 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 the thought there is too is that that's exactly what you were doing in radio when you mm-hmm. came from radio. It's like and you know had nothing to do with the podcast. Luckily, you had that back channel for your audience yeah. 
Um, and there was a lot of people who were ignoring what you were doing on radio and just going, hey, man, I'm fans of these guys, and this is where you go to get it, right? And this is right. this is the freebie thing on the web. But, you know, obviously, you know, coming from radio broadcast, that's, that's, that's where you guys were at. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see. Um, yeah. How many... Uh, so again, you guys coming from that area, you're, you're definitely forward thinking. And again, it's not just that you lost your jobs and you started doing this. You've been doing this for a while. So again, yeah. I call that forward thinking. Um, and there are some examples. Um, you know, there are other people like myself coming directly from the web. Um, yeah. PDX sucks coming from the oh, website. Yeah. You know, none of us. Oh, have radio, been on the radio. radio should be radio should be scared shitless of Robert Wagner, honestly, because the audience that he has put together in the space of what, like seven, eight months, the yeah. audience he's put together, the loyalty that's come there, the brand that he has created for himself, and the image that goes along with his show. There are stations right now who are pining for half the audience that Robert Wagner already has. There are executives being paid by multinational conglomerates scrambling, hoping to get a piece of the pie that Robert Wagner just sort of grew himself and grew really rapidly, as a matter of fact. So, I mean, radio stations probably shouldn't be so worried honest, so much. From an honest place. just Yeah, from a very crowd, honest place. And it, it's, it's amazing like, to me that he you know, can't get advertisers, that he can't sell spots, that he's going out there and calling people like, um, who wants to advertise him? I think now, granted, it, he may be running into the same problem that Court and I were running with as far as being, uh, you know, taken seriously, and that our name is Court and Fatboy. There might be advertisers Whatever. out there. Going, I don't know if I want to put money on something that says the city that I'm advertising <laughs> in sucks. That that might be a hurdle. But on the other hand, you you can't deny the the brand loyalty and the and the audience reach that he's got. He's hitting a lot of people every morning. More people than I think half of the radio stations in Portland are hitting, and in a very key demographic on his end, a money-making demographic. Mm-hmm. I mean, radio should be scared shitless of what Robert Wagner is doing, because if he can figure out a way to, to get a streaming network set up, and the same with the people at Error FM, the guys that are putting us on, they, they're grabbing from uh, you know shows all over the world, um, shows that have been fired from, from uh, successful stations here in the United States, giving them their hour, giving it to them uncensored. Radio stations need to be worried about these young bucks coming up with their networks showing people that you don't have to go to the radio to get a good stream of programming to get this followed by this followed by this and all of that fits with itself so robert wagner and the guys at error fm are really i think the future of where radio needs to go whether radio ends up buying the rights to these networks and then broadcasting them over their airwaves or whether radio itself um starts to go dark seeds um, all of their corporate garbage back to the local communities where you know radio is really set up to work the best anyway and takes their multinational conglomerate crap to the internet and sells networks that way either or um, I think the real threat to uh, to radio at this point is the fact that the youngsters today are figuring out how to do it on their own well, and they're smarter they're smart yeah. Come on. Uh-huh. I mean, it's like they don't have to figure. Oh, what's on the dial? I need to figure out how to program this. You know, I'm paralyzed by fear because research doesn't telling me what song I should play. I mean, what's in the, the demographic minutes? here? They all have iPods. They all have iTunes. They all have laptops. They all know yeah. how to stream shit. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I'm up on Hulu. What? I'm not even turning on the TV. It's all me. It's and and the whole you know, it's the me generation. So it's all uh, give it to me the way I want it. You know. 
provide for me, you know, bring it on a silver platter, give it to me on my laptop or my iPhone or in my headphones any way I want it, right? This is the yeah. thing the broadcast has never provided. It's mm. like, I need to go to the cathedral of my television or the cathedral of my radio or whatever, which worked which worked back in the old days when there only was one radio or one television. And it was actually, yeah. you know, the other thing, that I, I was thinking about this uh, earlier today. Early radio and early television was a social event. Yeah, it was. You, 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 you know, the family bought a, a radio for a lot of money. A family bought the early televisions for a lot of money. And what did you do? A television and and television and radio was not twenty four seven either. I mean, mm-hmm. the shows came on just like we do with streaming. It's like, hey, we're about to fire up the show, right? Yeah. It's like appointment listening. It's appointment listening. That's the buzzword they use yeah. in the in in the broadcasting world. Ooh. Appointment listening. In order to we've do, learned something to tonight, folks. Appointment listening. Yes, I want you all to mark that down. Right there. Yeah. Down. In order in order listening. to win in this marketplace, you've got to create um, appointment listening. You've got to have people all rushing and sharing in what they feel is a communal atmosphere all at the same time. Very nice. Appointment yeah. listening. That's very good. And that's exactly what the early days of radio and the early mm-hmm. days of television, and that's how they built an audience. Appointment listening and a social listening. So the yeah. whole family, mom, dad, the kids and everything, sat around and listened to Arthur Godfrey or, you know, yeah. Dragnet or, you know, whatever it was, Perry Mason, you know. Batman and that's, what's so, that's what's so funny about what's going on now with the streaming networks and, and, and us young bucks sort of coming up and trying to rewrite the game is that we're not really so much rewriting the game is that we're using all this new technology and taking it back old school what robert's doing on pdx.fm is appointment listening you know at 8 a.m portland sucks is on and it's a communal atmosphere because he's got that chat window going you know at 2 p.m you go to error fm court and court and i are talking and we're on the twitters we're on the facebooks and you can check with us then it's well, appointment that, listening with that community atmosphere that's the difference joined at the yeah, same that, time. It's, it's appointment listening with an electronic a mm-hmm. community. In other words, yeah. it's appointment listening, and your family that's listening is all the Twitterers who are fans, yeah. or or on Facebook, the message boarders or the Facebookers. And yeah, then the other and thing is, we're, we're we're living in times where there are yeah. a lot of people whose only real sense of community is coming from going online and seeking out a forum filled with like-minded individuals who are into the same pop culture crap that you're into. That's what a community... Most people think of the word community as that, as, you know, a collection of web forums or a collection of friends on Facebook. Right, and and the the other difference, the one key piece of difference is then we've added the VCR, you know, the time shifting to it. So in Mm -hmm. other words, even though I I did miss my appointment today to listen to you, um, I still can go go get it anytime I want, any way I want it. Exactly. And that's the one thing I think advertisers are missing. That's the one thing I think that the 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 world the agency world is not getting. It's like it's not it's not the appointment numbers. It's not it, it's the Twitter numbers. It's the uh three months or six months down the road when people are still downloading that episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. When I look at my SLL numbers, I mean, it goes back to episode one. It goes back, I mean, granted, it's not the numbers of the new episode, but people are still downloading those episodes, those early yeah. episodes. You you just, you keep 
getting getting um audience and they keep downloading the episodes and you know and we're like what triple play or whatever it's like you want an audio you can download the mp3 that's where we started you want the video you can download the video to your ipod you want to watch the appointment listing go up there and watch us do it live you know it's yeah. it's it's all the different pieces and all of those are different numbers you know all yeah. pieces of the pie and that's the one thing that amazes me that 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 um advertisers don't jump over it's like you know they they call it the long tail right you know mm-hmm. where it's like wow you just you know you put an impression your ad on this episode that's going to live for 6 months or a year yeah people are still going to come back to that mm-hmm. or go back and want to get a piece of content from that and there's your your impression there I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not an ad guy, so I don't understand this. I'm that's part of what what we're doing here is trying to figure figure out, make some predictions. Yeah. And, and 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 a lot of my suggestions I I would uh, highly advise to keep with a grain of salt cuz uh remember about like 5 years ago I was uh answering phones at a call center and you then a what? year before that I was Here's throwing boxes around the warehouse. So. You're as much of an expert as everyone else is because <laughs> I I I think I really think that that this is valid because we're all breaking into new ground here. I mean, the agencies, the the ad, you know, advertisers. No one, you can't tell me that there's really a social media guru who comes down and goes, "Well, this is how it's going to be." You know, mm-hmm. we're trying to figure it out. We're, no, we're, if, we're if, making, and if there are, then the, the then what they're trying to sell better, is themselves. Exactly, is what run away. Yeah, they're not trying to help you. They're trying to help themselves get money helping other people who are looking for some sort of secret answer to come falling out of the sky into their lap and make them a couple hundred bucks an hour. Is this where I announce the uh, Fat Boy and Dr. Normal social media guru seminars? (laughs) Lock yourself in a room for three days. We won't let you pee, but we will let you tweet. Yes. I think with that, we should actually close up. (laughs) <laughs> All right, we've got yeah, well, so much. It always to talk end about. on a pee joke when I'm on the show, dude. Always end on a pee joke. Oh, good, good. I'm glad. I'm All glad. Right. I'm. I'm glad I ended strong. I did. Cami Chaos about an hour ago said that I was supposed to mention that you're going to be appearing on Thirty Hour Day at ThirtyHourDay.org, a live streaming uh, event, charity event. It's like the mm-hmm. old telethons, but it's streaming. It's live. It's totally new. It's totally new. It's awesome. Um, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know if that's true, but you know, she told me to say it, so I'm, I'm yes, I'm, I'm I am definitely going to be helping out with the uh, the thirty hour day. Um, another charity event that's coming up really fast is actually uh the bet on a winner thing. Court and I are hosting uh the Special Olympics Oregon fundraiser oh, where wow. they uh they hold a casino night. So oh, if you go to cool. betonawinner dot com, um, all the details are up over there. But yeah, I think that's going to be that coming in, up. I believe that's the twenty. 20- First of November, I think that's when that's coming up. Wow, so, so right before Thanksgiving. So yeah, right before Thanksgiving. Betonawinner.com, and uh, and we'll be doing the 30-hour day in December, and that's going to be exciting. And uh, Oh, yeah. I I just, you know, we'll, we'll probably be back talking about it. We didn't even get into Tara Dublin's save radio thing, but I think oh, we, yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that again. I'm trying to get her on the show. I want to... Uh, it shouldn't be too hard. Drop her a DM. She she likes talking, and she she got back to me. So, oh, cool. uh, um, you know, we'll 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 figure this all out, and we'll talk about it, and we'll talk about saving radio. Is traditional radio worth saving? Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? You know. Yeah. But um, 
But I know Court and Fatboy are doing something interesting, and uh, congratulations on the launch of the relaunch of the podcast. Uh, thank you very much, sir. I wish you guys well. Um, uh, and thank and thank you for uh, for your support and uh, and letting us uh, pollute your your uh, your broadcast day with uh-huh, our garbage. No. <laughs> um, and uh, do wish Fatboy well, will you? Yes, please. So thank you, thank you very much for having me on, man. Thanks, man. All right. So that was it. Um, thank you all for joining me. Crazy talk. That's what it is at the end of the day. It's all crazy talk. Uh, we don't know anything in here, but uh, I think uh, this show is uh, really all about the guests. Um, it's not about me, because I suck at this. But um, And I'm really excited about the guests we've had uh, in the last week. And uh, hopefully we will get, uh, get some more and tell us what's going on. So... With that, guys, good night, everybody. <laughs>